Good morning, Great Connections listeners, and happy holidays. Today's episode is going to be a little bit shorter, but I just want to say thank you to everyone that's been listening in the past year and a big, big shout out to all of our guests. Today's episode is just going to be me. It's going to be a little bit shorter because I realize this is coming out right after Christmas. So probably less people listening to podcasts right now, but seemed like a great time to kind of look back at what we've done this past year, kind of recap on some of the things and uh, maybe even share some of my predictions and even hint at some uh, upcoming things we have as well. So really excited for this and I hope you're enjoying it too. So first, I think I just want to kick off and thank all of our guests for the past year, or especially this season. So we really kicked off the newest season with, let's see, that was John McElroy back in September. So I just want to say one, a big, massive shout out to John McElroy over at AutoLine. In fact, as I'm recording this, I'm actually counting down the time before uh, the today's episode of AutoLine After Hours kicks off. So I want to watch that here shortly. But um, John was uh, a really great guest because he just brings a really interesting uh, view of the automotive landscape being based in Detroit and having such a long uh, history and all the connections in the space in the Detroit area and just how he's seen and kind of documented the EV transition and just even the auto industry over the last couple uh, few decades. And I also just want to say thanks to him because he's kind of the one that really gave me uh, my start uh, when I had become unemployed and had a lot of downtime during COVID. Um, I thought about starting a podcast and he was really the one that gave me the opportunity to kind of help with AutoLine and even do some segments of guests that we've had on and kind of what eventually evolved into, I guess, maybe me partially having the confidence, but also just the interest in doing a podcast. And that has kind of been such a great relationship I've had with John. I have so much respect for him and I always enjoy their programming. So big shout out to John for kicking off the season. And please, if you're not already uh, listening to AutoLine for their, either their daily segments or at least their weekly after hours, I highly recommend it if you're interested in the auto industry, especially uh, around electrification. They have a lot of great guests on uh, that show a very wide spectrum of opinions and views in the space. So it's always kind of good to hear others' thoughts and bring on others. So I think that actually lends pretty well to the next guest we had this year, which was Lauren McDonald from EV Adoption. And I've known Lauren, I'm trying to remember, I think a couple of years off and on, and it really originally started from, I think some of his posts I saw on Twitter to even on LinkedIn, just around uh, the data he's kind of collected and been following around the rollout of electric vehicle infrastructure, especially with now tracking NEVI funds and also which automakers are using the North American charging standard and more. And I think what's really funny is just coincidentally, it turned out uh, both him and I have kind of a history, uh, previous career history of working in the uh, technology marketing and kind of software as a service space. So we coincidentally knew quite a few people already from that realm. And it's just been so much fun working and talking with him and seeing his insights as someone who has that knowledge base and that approach to finding information, but also having kind of the shared passion and interest in EVs. So uh, I think from there, we've kind of talked about the automotive industry and then the uh, kind of looking outward at where EV charging is going on the DC fast charging. But I would be remiss, and I was so honored also to have another guest of ours this uh, season, which was Tom Malogny, who is kind of the king of AC or level two charging. 
that's become a big thing of his for his uh, YouTube series out of uh, State of Charge. <laughs> Sorry, I almost said out of spec. State of Charge. Uh, and then also a weekly podcast series called the Batteries Include podcast that he hosts actually with Cal Connor from out of spec, uh, as well as Dominic Yoni. I, I think just for those who had listened to the episode and didn't already know, Tom is a fountain of information across the board when it comes to not just EVs, but obviously EV charging and how to do road trips. And it's really interesting to see how he's kind of honed in on the level two niche that really hasn't been served. And great to see how he's taken off and is now getting direct access with very large automakers, uh, including Tesla, because they see him as such a, a great resource for the industry. And it was such a uh, honor of mine to finally, we've kind of chatted here and there mostly, I think on Twitter, but then to actually have him come on the podcast this year was a lot of fun and a, a great resource and kind of hoping to have him on soon. So followed by that, we also had two Lee and I'm, my apologies if this is boring everyone, but I just really want to say thanks to everyone who came on this year. And that's why I'm kind of going through this list by list because uh, it's, it was a big thing to restart the podcast uh, for this season. And I'll go a little bit more into that shortly, but uh, I'm so glad I have. So after Tom, we had uh, Tuli from Sino Auto Insights. And I originally came across two from his guest appearances on uh, Autoline. And coincidentally, he's going to be on this one here in a half an hour. But he shares such an interesting um, mindset as well, because he's he grew up in Detroit, so he's very familiar with the uh, traditional domestic auto OEMs. And then he worked in Silicon Valley and worked with Apple, so he kind of understands the, the tech and the mindset of always uh, prototyping, always building faster, building better. And uh, just because a physical item is shipped doesn't mean it's product life cycle is done. There's still so much you can do with software. And then he lived in uh, China and abroad in Asia. And that where he saw just the explosion and growth of the different uh, Chinese automakers and others that have really taken off and how they've approached and how they've really kind of taken that mindset that I think made Tesla most famous. And now a lot of these other startups like Rivian and Lucid, and they've kind of maybe become the new Teslas in some way with how quickly they're moving and what they're doing. I think there's probably it's far from red and I think there's still going to be a lot of shakeup in that space, but I cannot recommend uh, two's insights enough either because he really does have a great weekly podcast uh, that is called the, well, I want to say uh, China EVs and more podcast, but he, if you go to his Twitter, which is linked in the original uh, episode, uh, it has, they record it every Friday, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Friday morning, I believe at, I believe 7 a.m. PST, might be even 6 a.m., but because um, he's normally based in the Detroit area. And then they uh, take the recordings of that and then put it on their podcast. But I would really recommend, and this is, I think, probably where I come across his work the most, is the Sino Auto Insights uh, newsletter that is, I want to say, at least weekly. Maybe there might be two versions he does each week, but those are always super fascinating and so well-researched. Uh, along with really good insights of how he's seeing these uh, new stories and de developments being announced. So um, even just for the casual listener or the person that's just kind of interested about the industry, uh, I think if you do anything, highly recommend just kind of occasionally watching AutoLine's uh, YouTube channel. And then even just signing up for the Sino Auto Insights newsletter will put you far ahead <laughs> than most people even in the industry, in my opinion. Um, 
And I think that kind of comes into a great point of the next guest we had this year, which was Brandon Flash. So Brandon is a really interesting guy because he essentially had just started his own YouTube channel, more or less vlogging about his experience with electric vehicles and then a lot of road tripping and the charging experiences he's had with those. And then he's leveraged that into a career and worked with a couple different companies now in the DC fast charging installation and hardware space. So it, he was a great guest and always a really fascinating guy to watch uh, him kind of travel and sometimes also fascinating to see the struggles he goes through, but he really approaches it from a, a, a very well knowledge, uh, very knowledgeable space, because I think so many people who talk about charging, um, and I, I'd like to think a lot of the guests we have on buck this trend, because I really do try as best as I can to find people who actually know what they're talking about and not only know what they're talking about, but have actually done it. And that's where Brandon has been able to, has designed a lot of fast charging sites. He's worked for multiple EV and EV charging companies now. And so it's really fascinating to hear like the things that he ran into and what he constantly sees as the big developments and delays in getting more fast charging infrastructure. And he's just a really, uh, entertaining and fun guy to watch on his YouTube channel, which is just Brandon Flash. And you can also follow him on Twitter or X or whichever you prefer calling it on uh, just at Brandon Flash on the on that area as well. And that's really how I originally came across him and what he was doing. So after Brandon, we had Chris Hazel, Chris, <laughs> Chris Hazel from Felton Systems. There we go. I got it. And I was so happy to have him on because that has been a company that I have been kind of just following for a couple of years now, just from a very selfish and nerdy perspective. I hope my interest in their Land Rover Defender EV conversion kit didn't hog up too much of that episode, or at least uh, how much I was kind of fanboying over the interest in that, uh, distracting from it. But um, incredibly, incredibly thankful to have him on the show. And I can't wait to kind of talk with him more, especially when I start doing the conversion more seriously. But it, it was just really interesting to talk to someone who's not only in the space who's done conversions, but is now trying to scale this to be uh, not just a, a bolt-in kit business, but to make it a international bolt-in EV conversion uh, kit business. Because I think there are a lot of companies out there that maybe offer a few of the parts and you kind of have to then find your own batteries or motors, or you can kind of, there, there just isn't always a really clear path for how to do this, especially when it's your first build. There are some kits and other things out there that really make it a lot easier for uh, certain car models and makes. But I, I think the way that they're really approaching it to hopefully not only just bring down the cost of doing this, but just to make it a much more streamlined approach for doing conversions. And I think where they're starting with this kind of universal battery pack of theirs, especially for kind of like traditional uh, SUVs like the Ford Bronco, the Land Rover, uh, Defender, I believe it'll work with the Discovery and Range Rover as well, and many like International Scouts, another great one that this would work with. So I think it's really cool to see those, and I think those are a lot easier for uh, new people to EV conversions because inherently you're dealing with a bigger car, so you just have much more space to work in. So I'm I'm really excited to see how their business grows over the next year, and hopefully be able to use their kit and work with a couple more. Uh, people from their company and also a couple other companies that they're working with domestically. So after Chris, we had uh, JT from Franklin's Charging. So this was a really fascinating company 
for, uh, that I found out actually from a uh, out of spec video on YouTube that Chris Connor had uh, recorded. It was about an hour long, but super fascinating to see that this entrepreneur in Arkansas of all places had built two different locations for DC fast charging. And uh, he was a really entertaining guy, but I think it was really interesting to see how he approached this uh, the mindset for building this business because he was so focused on having multiple cash flow and revenue sources. I think that's a big thing that people are concerned about is like, is there a business that can be made with DC fast charging? And I think the way some companies are doing it right now, there isn't. If you look at the traditional uh, gas station and kind of convenience store uh, experience, gas really isn't the moneymaker. It just gets people in the door to sell hot dogs and Twinkies and many other things where that revenues, uh, those revenues come from. And I think the that he approached it in that way and with some, some also just really unique and interesting technology by partnering up with a company like uh, Freight Farms, which is essentially a plug and play deployable uh, container farm that you can drop, uh, kind of drop ship anywhere and then start growing and selling that produce is really unique and really fascinating. I think probably, especially when we look at EV drivers and early adopters, something that probably also aligns with their kind of mindset of fresh, sustainable foods that I think is a fairly common and I admit stereotype, but very true for a lot of EV drivers, at least early adopters. And so it was really cool to talk to him as someone who's uh, gone through the trouble of trying to get the permit and getting the installation, getting just even the hardware and then working with the utility. I think he's been really successful in it, but it was great to talk with someone like him to kind of understand where he's seen those pain points and also kind of flesh out and build out what we're seeing in this total DC fast charging story around what we've heard from Brandon Flash is someone who is kind of helping site design and build. And then what we'd heard from Lauren uh, and some of the struggles that companies are seeing around just getting them in the ground and um, the success in getting either NEVI funding or just other grants and other funds accessible to them. And then most recently, I just uh, launched the story uh, with Luke Cox and Andrew Kelly from XCharge North America. Uh, that was kind of an interesting one. And they, I, I think what made it so interesting was they actually reached out to me. And I, I think that's the great traction we're seeing. I'm already having, uh, now that I've been doing the podcast again more consistently, uh, they really reached out with me and it was kind of fun to have both of them from a business and also a technical standpoint to have them both on the line to talk with how XCharge is originally based in Europe, but now building DC fast chargers here in North America and some of the ways that they're working their damnedest to try and make the process of installing DC fast chargers and at scale a lot easier. Some of that's through the battery backup technology they use to just having the right software and strategies and really trying to make it as easy of a financial decision or just a building decision for these uh, property owners that are interested in DC fast charging. So I realized I just gave a quick summary of about, uh, I guess that was about nine or so different uh, uh, guests we had on, but thank you for your patience <laughs> for listening through this. And I also just wanted to say one more time, thank you again, because it wouldn't be possible without having great guests like this uh, for me personally to learn. And as I've heard from a lot of our viewers and listeners, you too are also enjoying what we have been uh, broadcasting, I guess broadcast, podcasting this uh, past year on Grid Connection. So there's a few things I want to say in addition to that. But first, as a listener, please uh, email me. You can email me at chase at connectingthegrid.com or you can just email uh, if you're interested in being a guest, if you email guests 
at connectingthegrid.com. That also, I'll also see that come in and our team can reach out to you about uh, having you on the podcast or how you would want to work and support with us. But I think importantly, I just, I really want to hear whether it's in the comments, whether it's emailing, whether it's tweeting at us at Grid Connections on Twitter or X, just what you want to see. What have you enjoyed? What would you like to see more of or see more regularly? Uh, any certain topics that you want to see us dive more into or kind of get a better spectrum? I, I just, I think with this into your recap, that's really what I want to ask from you as the listeners is just please let me know um, any suggestions or recommendations. I mean, that's how a couple of these guests even came on was uh, uh, Brandon Flash actually was one of them that had a uh, listener that kind of tweeted at him to come on to the podcast and was really how kicked that off. So I just want to say thank you to Phil <laughs> out of Central Oregon. Uh, and he's also kind of the, uh, coincidentally, one of the guys that kind of helped kick it off for me to start the podcast up again. And I guess to maybe segue to that real briefly, I know I had done a season of this about almost a year, I guess two years ago now, and I stopped and I stopped because I'd gotten a full-time job and I just wasn't really sure where career-wise I wanted to go at the time. And there was just a lot up in there. We just, uh, shortly, I guess a well, almost two and a half, three years ago now, we had moved to a new city and there was just a lot up in the air and it just, I wasn't sure if it made sense anymore. And then this past year, I was like, you know what? Uh, I've enjoyed the industry I've been in, but I am really passionate about anything and all things EV. So even if it's just for my own good and knowledge and personal side fun project, I'm going to start up the podcast. And I'm glad I did uh, because unfortunately, shortly after starting this season, uh, my, uh, job was unfortunately let go from a company. I dodged a couple previous uh, rounds of layoffs, but then third time was the charm and I was let go. And so fortunately it was not the most ideal time because it was a month before I was getting married, but it was a good time for me to kind of reflect, focus on getting stuff ready for the wedding. And then just think about what do I actually want to do? And it forced me to really think about, you know what? Either way, I really enjoy doing the Great Connections podcast, and I've always kind of talked to myself, if I did do something again in the, uh, if I, I did a pivot away from the software and kind of marketing tech industry, I wanted to go back into EVs and automotive. So this is a great way to leverage that jump back into it. Uh, it's been super informational and has coincidentally led to some job opportunities, which I think is uh, something I'll be announcing more kind of in Q1 of 2024. But now it looks like I'll be launching an EV consultancy. So that was something I was not expecting, but a really pleasant surprise and excited for those opportunities and stuff that will come from that. And I'll have some large announcements about that in Q1. So that's all been a lot in this one episode alone, but I just wanted to reflect in, in looking at this past year, looking at the guests and saying thank you for everyone that has been on, that's volunteered their time and has been a great learning resource for me. The next thing I'm excited about is a couple I've already recorded for uh, January. So we got a, 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 one person has been on the podcast before, but he, they just launched, I guess I'll say it, Matt Teske from Chargeway. They just launched, uh, launched the second version of their app. And so I talked to him about that and just the EV industry in general. And following that, I've got, uh, it's not official yet, but a really exciting kind of panel episode that I'm hoping to shoot and kind of launch uh, probably the second week of January for all the listeners about just a few of the people we've had on previously, getting their thoughts on the industry and where they're seeing for 2024. So fingers crossed, we're still getting that dialed in. But uh, given that it's 
almost the end of the year. I do kind of just want to share some of the things that I, I'm kind of excited for and kind of intrigued by. And I think the biggest thing, I think one of the biggest announcements, especially in EV charging in the past year in 2023 was the unexpected growth and interest of uh, the North American charging standard or NACS or however you want to pronounce it and how that's really taken off because in 2022 it was really Tesla and it, it, it's a great technology. It's really simple. I love the fact that it works the same for AC and DC charging. It's much easier in my experience usually to handle it when it, it's cold out or you're trying to do something with one hand. So I thought that was great. I was cautiously optimistic that maybe one or two other startups would say they would use it. But when Ford announced in March that they were going to move to that starting in 2025 for new cars and then offer an adapter in 2024, that turned, that was essentially the starting of the end of CCS1 or the combined charging system uh, that we've seen in all the other EVs in North America. And it's wild to me that how quickly that has changed and we had a couple holdouts and finally for example the vw group just a couple days ago announced along with sae announcing uh kind of the official standardization around what they're calling the north american charging standard of j3400 uh the announcement from vw that they'll be going to it as well so it really has made it the de facto one standard moving forward for evs in north america and i think that's Long-term going to be great for a lot of EV drivers. Just like I said, one plug to kind of do level two and DC fast charging. It's just smaller and simpler to use. Uh, a lot of great technology and design future-proofed into it. But I think that kind of winds into my prediction for 2024. And I think with a lot of these EVs coming out from the other OEMs, I think there is going to be a little bit of a dongle adapter hell. I think a lot of obviously the kind of traditional EV uh, drivers and first adopters won't be an issue for them, but I think it may have an impact on adoption or kind of have make people want to hold off until uh, the North American charging standard is the standard actually on the car. So you don't need an adapter. And it sounds like most automakers are saying that'll be in 2025. Uh, if I read this correctly, I believe one of the interesting announcements with the VW announcement of going to it was that the vehicles in 2025 that will have the North American charging standard will only be VW cars that are new in 2025. So existing cars, I believe like the ID4 and others that are already out on the roads, very likely still have a CCS charging port and you will have to use still the adapter, but they will at least have access to the North American charging standard chargers. And the other big announcement as part of that is because of Electrify America being tied to Volkswagen Group, that Electrify America will also have North American charging standard uh, charging outlets at their uh, charging locations. So that was a big and uh, great addition and has pretty much left that the only auto group that hasn't uh, said they'll be going to the North American charging standard or J3400 now is Stellantis, which was formerly Chrysler and is kind of Alfa Romeo, uh, Jeep, uh, Chrysler, uh, Dodge, Ram, and a couple others. But at the same time, those uh, auto companies have very few EVs as it is. So I think eventually they will probably come over anyway and their announcement as to when or if they offer it uh, will have a lower impact just because they don't have many EVs on the roads right now. So 
for 2024, I think it is uh, going to be a little interesting to see uh, around how the North American charging standard impacts auto sales. I still think overall, uh, most people don't understand or even realize this is a thing uh, that are buying uh, cars. And it does add just one more thing for a consumer who's looking to buy an EV over a traditional uh, internal combustion engine vehicle. But I think the biggest thing actually right now are interest rates that are impacting EV sales and just car sales in general. And allegedly, uh, Jerome Powell said, starting next year, the rates will be going down. So hopefully that's true. And that should help, I think, increase EV sales more than the whole North American charging standard announcements and some of that stuff we'll have in 2024. And then obviously in 2025, as we see more of these automakers, as they've announced, start just offering it natively in the car. I think it'll be a decent amount of short term, maybe just a year or two of pain, uh, followed by a lot of long-term benefit to uh, EV drivers and then people who are making the transition to EVs just so they have one plug, one thing. They're still going to have to learn a lot, but just having to know about one plug and it just kind of works, I think it's going to make it a, a lot easier for everyone. And then I think with all of this and the North American Charging Standard announcements, uh, it sounds like the White House now is kind of getting behind it. So I think good and bad is that this will delay more NEVI funding in that uh, some of these states that have been taking a while to announce it are either, this is kind of up in there, maybe there's going to be some government push to make sure now it has that in addition to the CCS1 uh, terms that are already there. I've kind of heard mixed reports as to whether that will happen or not, but I think it's definitely going to be a much larger uh, consideration by these states to make sure that if they have CCS1, they also have the J3400 or NAX chargers on there as well, because the automakers are going to be pushing them to include that as well. So I think that will be overall a good thing, but unfortunately, that's another short-term thing that I think will slow down the rollout of more DC fast chargers. Um, yeah, and I, I think that is just a few of the things that I wanted to look back on the year and share and just say thanks to everyone who's been on, share just some interesting news and a little bit of some of the uh, upcoming announcements we have and kind of views going to 2024 around uh, EV adoption and the EV infrastructure in North America. I think it's all good news. I think long-term it'll be great. I just think 2024 is kind of a up in the year uh, as far as if it's what we're gonna see in the first half compared to the second half or just in general. And I'm really excited for the upcoming panel that we're going to have with some of these people on to get their thoughts and takes on it as well. And once again, I just want to say happy holidays to everyone. And please let me know any recommendations or considerations you'd like to see or guests you'd like to have on in the upcoming year. And with that, uh, I'll see you in 2024.